21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. For you, what is drive and which kind of experience are you referring to? So for me, I like to work with people that I tell people always be, be an expert at one thing, okay? Don't try and be a jack of all trade, a master of nothing. Be an expert at one thing. I like to work with niche players. I like to work with someone who's very focused, very driven, as you say. So focused, driven, charismatic, and focused on one area. So if you're looking for the cure for cancer, don't worry about making money or don't worry about clinical trials. Don't worry about, you know, uh, future patients or who's going to buy you out. Worry about what is your therapeutic? What is your, you know, unique process or technology that you think you can help find a cure for that disease, focus on that, be the best at that. All the other pieces of the puzzle will fall into place. It's easy to hire, you know, other people or experts in certain areas. Don't try and be a jack of all trades, master of nothing. Be a master of one thing and not a jack of all trades. So that's what, when I, that's for me, it's really important to find, you know, and whether it's, you know, I'm working on, for example, a, um, a FinTech deal with a specific, you know, SaaS type platform. And the guy who set up the company, he helps people refinance their loans and their property. He was a loan and credit officer at a major bank in Silicon Valley for, you know, 10 years. That's his expertise. He understands that business. For 20 years, all he did was lend people money and refinance debt. So when he went and created a platform for lenders and for borrowers to come together, he understands what are the bottlenecks and what are the problems in that space because he was on the physical lending side and he was dealing with borrowers all the time. So he really understands that space, but he could go out and he found a great development team to build his uh, his platform. He found a great CFO. He found a great COO. He found a great administrator. He doesn't need to be a master of everything, but he understands his niche. So he's a niche player, just like me. You know, every, I work with nine different sectors, Martin, but I'm an expert and a niche player in what I do. My specialty is helping founders, you know, package their business, scale up, raise money and go public. That's all I do. Whether it's a biotech deal, an oil deal, a mining deal, a fintech deal, a metaverse, doesn't matter. My process and my roadmap is the same roadmap and process. There are different sections that, you know, I have like nine or 11 steps or 17 steps in my different processes. Your company may only utilize eight of those steps. You know, someone else may use 11 of them, you know? So it's like a plug and play. You know? There's a myth that people feel like they need to be experts at everything. And you know what? It's that that's a that's a real myth and that's a, it's actually a disadvantage. So I think the first and most important thing is I think the difference between an executive and an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs need to have resilience. They need to be very resilient. They need to be willing to take criticism. Take criticism, listen to the criticism. It doesn't mean you need to change. Listen to criticism, be resilient. If you believe in your business and you believe it works, stick with it. 
perfect example is Airbnb. Airbnb, Brian Chesky went out to 60 VCs and you know, I don't know, 50 of them turned him down and said, this is ridiculous. Why would I go now? And when I can go online and book a hotel or if I can go to a villa rental company and book with them direct, why do I need a platform to find homes? And he figured out a big problem. You had this emerging emerging generation of people that purchased second homes and third homes because there were no rental markets. People like myself, I have homes in multiple places, okay? And you now are no longer going to the home all the time because your kids don't want to go to the same place. You want to go to holiday in different places. So what do you do now? You don't want to sell it. You don't want to rent it out to someone all year long. You want to rent it out specific weeks when you're not using it. So he created a great platform for those people and he stuck with it even though people told him it's a bad idea and we're not giving you money and it's a multi-billion dollar company today amazon is another perfect example amazon he created an online platform to sell books was it a great idea at the time it was a great idea again he went out to i think 60 people 20 of the 60 people invested and they got 20 percent of the company people failed to realize amazon's ipo was only 54 million dollars it was a small ipo on nasdaq but he created a platform and a user base that once it worked his, and he had the proof of concept and he saw that people were using it, he could plug into that platform, coffee, water, electronics, everything. Now Amazon is what it is today. Same with Facebook. You know, let's not look at Facebook's recent share, uh, share destruction, you know, but let's look at Facebook or Meta now as, as a company, when he started out as a platform for college kids to communicate, like, you know, which what Facebook originally was set up for, no one expected, you know, them to buy Instagram, to buy other businesses. No one expected to get hit with ads. Everyone asked, how is this going to make money? You know, what is the money maker here? And the money maker turned out to be advertising and marketing because people stopped watching TV. They stopped reading papers. Everything went digital and ads came online. You know, same with Google. Google was a search engine. Everyone said, how are they going to make money? Well, now everybody Googles everything, you know, and your ad pops up based on your pay-per-click, you know, how much you're paying. So, so I think the key is resilience, take in criticism, be resilient, be determined, okay? Don't give up, okay? People say, have the mentality that failure is not an option. Okay. I always say that failure is not an option. So it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to lose money. You know, if you lose money testing out a proof of concept and it doesn't work, yeah, some investors are going to get angry and say, ah, you know, you burned through this money and you have nothing to show. But, you know, you didn't waste that money. Sometimes you have to spend money to make money and you need, it's a trial by error process. So you need to test out. I'm a big believer in trying out new things, trying out new marketing, trying out new techniques, trying out ways of lead generation. So it's really important. The difference between an entrepreneur and a CEO is an entrepreneur will have a vision. They'll be determined. They'll be resilient. They will go out at all stops and they will take criticism and they will take abuse. They will have thick skin. Look at people like Elon Musk. How much abuse has this guy taken? When Tesla started out as a car company, people laughed at Tesla. They were basically buying the body from Lotus. It was a Lotus car. You remember the first Roadster, you would see them in the UK and the and the US in like 2007, 8, 9. They, they sold only hundreds of cars. They didn't even have that many cars. And everyone said, how are you going to compete against GM and Ford and, and all these other companies? And now look at them. Their market cap's bigger than GM and Ford together. 
So, you know, I, but he stuck with it. It did not, it was, everyone says, what a success. It was not an overnight success. It was 20 years in the making. He was determined. He never gave up. He kept pushing. He took the abuse. He took the ridicule, you know, and, you know, the biggest line, someone used to always say to me, the seed of ridicule is envy. Okay. They used to say, so, you know, look at him. Bezos was not, Bezos was, you know, people did not like him. His company was losing money and burned through, you know, tons of money before it became profitable. Facebook, same thing, you know, their IPO went down dramatically. It's still like six times, it's still like, sorry, today, three times above its IPO price. It was at 1.20 times above its IPO price. But you look at, you look at also at, uh, at Bill Gates, Bill Gates, you know, Microsoft started as a company with, to make operating systems, you know, they didn't, they were not doing everything that they do today. Steve Jobs as well, they fired him from Apple originally, because he was too visionary. And then they brought him back and he transformed the entire company. You know, a perfect example is BlackBerry. BlackBerry was a massive success, research in motion, and then their product became obsolete. They were not willing to adapt themselves. They, they were, and that's another big problem. A big successful thing of entrepreneurs is adaptability, being able to adapt yourself to changing market conditions. And so, for example, a perfect example is, Bezos adapted himself with his platform to sell everything. Facebook realized the power of social media and they were going to be left behind. So instead of going and trying to kill their competition and eliminate them, they bought them and they took them over. Microsoft, the same thing. Microsoft realized how important certain things are. So they went and acquired a bunch of companies, you know, Airbnb as well. They realized that. You know, lots of these companies, Elon Musk too, they, he realized that, you know, they, he realized, you know, when he merged with PayPal, what became PayPal was part of his company with Peter Thiel's company, you know, they realized very, very quickly as well. So I think the key is uh, being able to adapt to changing market conditions. You know, the world today, you had web one, you had web two, now we're in web three, you know, we now you have the metaverse, you've got AR, you've got VR, that you need to adapt yourself to changing market conditions always. And that's the real difference between CEOs and entrepreneurs. And now not all entrepreneurs are good CEOs. A perfect example was Bill Gates, you know, had, you know, Paul Allen, you know, Bill Gates said, I'm a visionary guy. I'm a great chairman. I can think, you know, 30,000 feet above the sky and I have great ideas, but I have, there are better people to run the company than me, you know, and, and that's really an important decision. And I think it's a, it's a big, you know, there are a lot of CEOs out there that they might not be visionary and have great ideas, but they're very good at execution. Okay. So the difference between a good CEO and an entrepreneur is vision versus execution. It's great to have amazing ideas and have this vision, but you need to execute on that vision and you need a team to execute. And that great team of yours means you're going to need a great CEO. You're going to need a great COO. You're going to need a great CFO. You're going to need a great communicate corporate communication. You're going to need five, six people on your team that are going to be able to execute your vision and implement your business plan and your ideas. And that's the real big difference between a CEO and a call it a founder entrepreneur. So regarding uh, trying new things and all those uh, 
personality traits and and uh, approaches so resilient being resilient adaptability visionary determined etc uh what what have been uh, some of your most successful investments can you can you continue with examples now in your area of expertise with your clients Sure, for sure. I mean, I'm more of a visionary guy. I can, listen, I'm a closer too, and I've always been able to close and I'm visionary, but execution, it's difficult. And if someone needs to do it on a day-to-day basis, and there's a lot of moving parts, you know, in an equation. So my most successful venture was, you know, I had an oil and gas company that I created with with uh, my partner. It was a Canadian company. We had an asset, we had an oil concession in Kenya. And you know, we acquired the concession and we started this company. We raised a bunch of money for the company, but we realized very quickly this project was too big for us alone. So we hired a professional CEO and a professional chief geologist. We brought a CEO that came out of Apache, we, you know, energy, big, major producer. We brought a COO who was like COO, chief geologist. He came out of Anadarko, another massive company. And they were driving you know, the ship and leading the company. We were in the background with the vision and helping to finance it. And you know, we took it as far as we could. And we, we came into the financial crisis and it needed serious money. And you know, we were at the crossroad where the company is either going to go bust or you're going to have to you know, team up and partner with someone that not only has vision like you, but actually can execute and has experience as an entrepreneur executing a large-scale project. So we merged the company with a company called Africa Oil. Africa Oil was part of the Lundin Group. You know, uh, Lucas Lundin, who passed away this this past summer, was, you know, one of Canada's greatest, you know, resource entrepreneurs of all time. I mean, just a total legend, you know, total legend. The best resilience I've ever seen, the most charismatic, the most determined, you know, fantastic. His company went from a billion market cap to 220 in the crisis, but they had cash. They had an exceptional management team, exceptional CEO and a gentleman named Keith Hill. They had a great CFO and a gentleman named Gary Guidry. So two amazing entrepreneurs that were within his group that had experience as C-suite executives, but also as entrepreneurs who could execute. So we merged our company. They acquired us in an all-share transaction, and they brought in a big operator to operate the block. They drilled. And they, you know, drilled multiple wells and turned it into a producing block. And Kenya is now an oil producing nation because of Africa oil's execution on our concession, you know, and we were a big part of that equation. But would have we been able to do it on our own? You know, maybe. I doubt it. I don't think we'd be able to. No, they raised, you know, a couple billion dollars to execute the project. I don't think anyone would have given us a couple billion dollars. Maybe we'd raise 100, 200 million in a good market, but that wasn't enough for the project. And so sometimes the greatest skill of an entrepreneur is to also know when to let go of their baby and move it up the food chain. Okay. Some of the greatest success stories, I made more money on that project by handing it to someone else and letting them carry the baton and drive the ship and take it forward than if I held on to it myself. Sometimes you make more money by owning a smaller piece of a massive pie than by owning a big piece of a smaller pie that nobody wants to eat. You understand? So it's, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, I give you a perfect example. You know, there, there, there are certain types of foods, you know, I have across the street from my house, a Polish restaurant. It's fantastic. I love it. And I think it's the best food ever, you know, three doors down, there's a burger place, which is terrible. You know, but there's a lineup of 100 people outside the burger place every day. And I can always get a table at the Polish restaurant, you know, so the audience is smaller 
than the other than the other place. But you know, it's 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 their ability, right? And so the difference is is that this bigger company had a, a much better ability to execute on their their business plan than we did, and so we made a lot more money by being a smaller player in a in a in a bigger company. And so that's probably one of my biggest. I would say that's my biggest success. And it's rare for me because up until that point in 2009, you know, my my exit plan was always through an IPO or a listing of my own companies and my own businesses. I never thought about creating a business and giving it to someone else to take public. That was never my strategy. I would have never looked at that. And in the past 10, 12 years, you know, that strategy changed. You know, I said, hey, sometimes you can make more money by creating the opportunity, you know, nurturing it and scaling it up and then handing it off to someone else who is higher up the food chain than you. You know, the, it's also important for people, be ambitious and punch above your belt, but also know your place on the totem pole. Do you understand, Martin? Know what your limitations are. You know, sometimes people think I can do, it's great to think and aspire for great things and think you can do anything and you can do everything, but also you need to be realistic, you know, with your expectation level. So besides Polish food, uh, any specific mindset or, or and or daily routine, what's your recipe for success? You know, my, so... My recipe for success is one, I'm very focused. I like to be better to have one bird in your hand than five on the tree. Too many times I see people chasing dreams and chasing a million things and they're trying, they're, they're what they call in America, they're swinging for the fences, okay, in baseball. They're trying to hit home runs rather than hit hitting singles and doubles consistently. So I'm a big believer, hit singles and doubles consistently, you know, get experience, you'll be able to determine the pitch when it comes to you. And then once in a while, you'll get lucky and hit triples or home runs. So folk, be focused. Better to have one bird in your hand than five on the tree. Be focused, be close, you know, start small and grow. You don't have to be an overnight success. Sometimes you get lucky, Very, you know, and I've been lucky. So, you know, listen, I'm 47 turning 48. I've been doing what I do for 22 years now, almost 23 years. I've been independent for almost 20 years. Okay, 19 years I've been independent. And I've I've been very fortunate that I'd say probably three times in my life, like that, you know, deal Turkana, that Kenyan deal, the stars of the stars have been aligned and all the forces of the universe have come together at the right time and at the same time. And I've had a huge win and a huge exit. And I've been very fortunate. I've also had, you know, tremendous and catastrophic losses and made big mistakes. And that's okay. It's okay to make mistakes, make mistakes, be able to pick yourself up, know what your limitations are. If you have a huge win, put some money aside. You know, you don't have to go and spend all your money all the time when you make money. You know, a lot of people make mistakes. They make money and they keep, they, they over leverage or they spend thinking that great. I made, you know, five, $10 million on this project. I'm going to be able to do it all the time. And, you know, perfect example for me is, you know, I had this huge exit in 2009, 10. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to easily replicate that success. I went and burned through three, four million dollars of my hard earned money trying to chase dreams of, you know, reliving this glory. And I took good money and threw it after bad money and I lost it all. And then I finally had to sit back and say, you know what? I didn't even give myself time to savor and enjoy 
the success and the exit and learn from that and figure out what's my next move. I just dove right into it head first. So I think the key is, you know, be focused, one bird in your hand and five on the tree, you know, be really good at one thing. And if you're good at that thing, don't try and diversify. So too many times someone is the best at one sector. They're a massive fintech player. They created a great, maybe they created, you know, a financial platform and they knocked it out of the park, made a ton of money. Now they're investing in real estate. They're investing in, in uh, oil and gas. They're trying to diversify their holdings. They're convincing themselves. I made all this money. I don't want to lose it. I'm going to diversify. And then they lose their shirt in other spaces, crypto, gaming, biotech, medtech. If you're really good at one thing, be focused on that one thing. You don't have to change it. You could be the best at what you do your entire life. Okay, it's one thing adapting yourself in your sector or your area of focus. It's another thing trying to diversify into sectors and areas that you don't understand because you think you're an expert and you do. So making money, burning money, all all that stress. I mean, do you do you experience it as a stress, or what's what's the mindset be, behind your success? Oh, I experience stress all day long. I mean, listen, I live <laughs> okay. with stress. You so know, stress is like, stress for you like, still. It, so so I would say, if you're a founder and entrepreneur, you're always going to have stress. And if you can't live with the stress, then go get a nine to five job. There is no so the life of an entrepreneur, the life of myself as an entrepreneur, and most of the entrepreneurs I deal with. It's not a job. So being a founder and a, and a creator of a, of a business and a disruptor, it's your life. It's not a, your job. It's not your career. It's who you are. It defines who you are and what you do. And stress will come with it. And you just have to accept that stress. You have to accept that things are going to happen. Good things, bad things. You're going to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there's always going to be bad things happening. The minute you expect, you know, to come up against a brick wall and sometimes, you know, hit obstacles and roadblocks, that's when everything's going to be okay. If you expect, you know, always to smell the roses and not to, you know, not to have garbage in front of you, then you're going to, you know, you're not going to accept failure and you're not going to accept the stress. And so I just accept it. It's part of my daily routine. You know, I expect problems to happen. And so when they happen, you know, I'm not, of course, I'm going to be disappointed and you're going to be let down when you hit obstacles and roadblocks. That's part of life, you know, and, but you have to just be ready for, you know, failure and for problems to happen. You have to accept the stress. You have to find ways to reduce stress. And so for me, you know, I like to walk every day. I try to put in like, you know, 10 to 15,000 steps. I walk probably a couple hours a day. I like to work out as much as I can. I try to work out, you know, three, four times a week. And I, you know, I shut my phone off. It's really important to take time out. I like to read as well. I like to shut my phone off and read. I don't look at my phone or social media or, or television past a certain hour. I try to sort of wind down. Um, and, you know, I just try and spend time with my family and my kids. I think, you know, being in a relationship, having kids is stress reduction in itself. You know, when you look at your kids and you see, you know, them growing up in front of you and you realize that, you know, what does this really matter? You know, whether you do an extra deal, you know, we're all, here's, here's the facts, okay? We're all born the same and we all die the same. 
hey, we're all coming out of a we're all we're all coming out of a body and we're all going into a into a bo- into a coffin, a box, or a jar, depending on how what happens, whether you're being buried or cremated. So we're all born the same, we all die the same. Okay. Two things are gonna happen to you. You're you're gonna die and you're gonna pay taxes. Whether you pay taxes when you're alive or when you die, you're gonna pay it. So at the end of the day, life is not a contest. And I tell this to my kids all the time and I tell this to people. And you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, you know, Martin, I wanted to accumulate everything. Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Patek Philippe watches, homes everywhere, go on holidays. You're in this life of, you know, following other people, wanting, you know, expensive, beautiful things. Then all of a sudden you accumulate these things and you don't have time to enjoy them and use them. And you realize that, you know, who cares? At the end of the day, you, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you want everybody to know you. When you're in your 40s and 50s and you make money, you want anonymity and you don't want anybody to know you. And you want to live a life of, you know, peace and tranquility and, and not have that. So I think it's like a transformation. And I tell people, you know what? Go buy that Ferrari. Go buy that $100,000, $200,000 watch. Enjoy it. Save it. Go on that $100,000 holiday. Go rent that private jet. If that's what you want to do and that was your goal, don't listen to anyone else. It's your money. You made it. You can. You earned it. You can spend it. You can burn it. It's no one else's money to spend but yours. I worry today only about what's in my pocket and what's in my bank account. I don't worry about other people. And so, you know, life is is about change and about transformation. And, and I think you just have to accept the punches as they come. Generation Z. Totally different. This is a generation that grew up with social media, seeing what everyone has. And now, now they're realizing this social media is not real. They're waking up all of a sudden and saying, you know, everything our parents told us and our grandparents told us, you know, we don't need that. So they're realizing, I don't need a second home anymore and a vacation home. If I want to go on holiday, I don't want to be stuck going to the same place in South of France or Tuscany or the Caribbean or America. I can go on Airbnb or One Fine Stay or VRBO or all these things. I can rent a beautiful villa anywhere in the world, the press of a button. I don't need to worry about buying a home, a second mortgage, maintenance, staff, anything. If I'm rich and I have money, cash is king. Better to have liquidity than to have debt. So they're realizing today, better to have more money. And that's why the market today has has bounced back so strong compared to 2008, 2009. In 2008, people like you and me were over leveraged. We were buying and buying. We had second mortgages, homes, vacation properties. All of a sudden, interest rates went up. You couldn't repay it. Your income went down. You were screwed. So that's why today, this whole generation of Gen Z, they only have one home. Some of them don't even own a home because they're living this what's called nomadic lifestyle. Today, I want to live now, I can go to Bali, I can go to Portugal, I could go to, you know, uh, Prague, I could go to, to Kiev, I could go to London, I could go to LA, I could go to New York. People today are portable. When you and I were starting out over 20 years ago, you couldn't run your business from a, a, a mobile phone or a laptop, you know, you, you had to be physically in an office, you couldn't meet someone like we are now on on zoom or on a video portal and speak with someone you know 
I'm doing road shows on Zoom without even meeting investors. And people say to me, is it a disadvantage? No, it's an advantage. Investors don't want people coming and meeting them anymore. They don't want a guy flying from London or Israel or India or Hong Kong on a plane with 400 people. Who knows what diseases or what illnesses they're going to get? They're now going to come in their office, spread germs. The guy's going to go home. His grandkids are going to get sick. And now he's not going to be able to go to Miami on holiday for Christmas time. So now you've ruined the guy's... Uh, the guy's beard. He'd rather just see 10 people on Zoom and say yes, no, and press a button. So my advice to Gen Z is you be happy. You're fortunate to benefit from all this technological advancement. You know, you have all these technologies to your advantage. Use them wisely. Okay. So learn from mistakes of the past generations. Don't overspend, save. You don't need to have more than one home. So when you have that one home, Buy the home that you're comfortable with and you're wise with. Don't buy a home that you're going to flip every two, three, four years. Buy a place that is your one home. Own it. Enjoy it. Raise your family in it. Okay? Don't overborrow. It's it's okay to own your home without a mortgage. Don't listen to people telling you, oh, you know, all these people on Instagram are saying, you don't need to own your home. You can use that money and make more money. Sometimes you take that money that's your security blanket and you can lose it. They tell you you can make money. They never tell you you can lose money, you know? So it's great all these, you know, people that are, you know, on social media claiming to be, you know, experts at everything, but it's important to own your home and don't over leverage. Too many people I've seen lose their homes and and, and lose their, their security blanket, you know? So it's okay to spend a little bit of money. You want to have a watch, buy one nice watch. You don't need 10 watches. You want to have a nice car, buy a nice car. You don't have to buy the newest, flashiest car. You want a Ferrari? Buy a two, three-year-old Ferrari and put the rest of the money in the stock market. Save for the future and save for a rainy day because a rainy day always comes. You know, you are you might be at your prime earning power. I was making more money in my late 20s, early 30s than I am now in my late 40s. You know, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, it, you know, I would have thought for sure I'd be way more advanced. And, you know, you learn from mistakes. I've made mistakes too with money. If I if I could turn the clock back in time, you know, I would change things. Many things I would change, you know. Do I have regrets? You know, yeah, I have regrets, but I'm also very happy. I've learned from mistakes. The key is learn from your mistakes. That's another important thing. It's okay to make mistakes, but learn from them. Martin, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've been following it. I've listened to a number of them. They're fantastic. You do a great job. You have a great community. I'm really, really honored and, and pleased to be on the podcast. If anyone wants to get hold of me, you know, they can reach out to me on my website, which I think you're going to put on afterwards. So go to my website, book a discovery call with myself and my team. Email me. My email's on there as well. You know, reach out to me on Instagram. My my Instagram is down below as well. It's at ronbauer888. That's my Twitter and Facebook too. My LinkedIn is down below. I'm the easiest guy to reach. If you've got a great business opportunity or you need someone to mentor you and help you out, please reach out. I'm always interested in hearing great, exciting opportunities. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.